Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again, and I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with highlights from congressional hearings this week, move on to some good old-fashioned right-wing gaslighting, and follow all of that up with a serious talk about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Let's begin, shall we? Good things always happen in threes, but apparently so does stupidity when it comes to ultra-maggots. So this week was no exception, and I want to present to you three examples of what not to do, Congressional Edition. First up, we have Republican and Oklahoma's newest electoral mistake, Mark Wayne Mullen, fucking around with the head of the Teamsters Union, Sean O'Brien, on why he was paid $200,000 a year for his job. Roll tape. What do you bring for that salary? What job have you created? One job, other than sucking the paycheck out of some other body, somebody else that you want to say that you're trying to provide because you're forcing them to pay dues? And no, then, we don't force them. Senator, you've asked the you're question. You're out of line, Actually, the I question. have it, and no, don't tell me I'm out you of line. You're out of line. We not, hold greedy CEOs like yourself not, accountable. You call me a greedy CEO. Oh, yeah, you are. What did Go you ahead. make? What did you make when you owned your company? When I made my company, I kept my salary down at about uh, 50000 a year because I invested every penny into it. You mean you hid money? No, I didn't hide. Oh, oh you I think know. it's smart? You think you're funny? Please this continue is your statement. But, sir, this is a, I, think, I think it's great that you're doing this because Me too. this shows their behavior on how they try to come in and no, organize I, I, a shop. They I'll show your behavior. Yeah, but stay on the issue. <laughs> I got to say, referee Bernie is the Sanders I never knew I always needed. And as for Senator Man Baby Mullen... It's important to know that before he was elected to the House by the morons in Oklahoma's 2nd District, this working-class poser didn't just make $50,000 a year when he owned his businesses. And yes, I said more than one business. According to the tantrum from the Great Plains' own financial disclosures, things he had to fill out before he ran for his current seat, He was a stakeholder in two companies called Mullen Plumbing and Mullen Plumbing West because Mark was never one for originality when it comes to names of companies. And he earned upwards of $2 million in salary with another $15,000 in the bank for stock share compensation. Oh, and don't forget about the $50,000 for being a shitty landlord under Mullen Properties, Inc., And for those of you who failed high school math, that total comes out to $2,065,000, according to this corrupt CEO's own financial disclosures. Turns out Sean O'Brien from the Teamsters was right. (laughs) Let's now move on to stupid Republican number two. Colorado's own Lauren, I totally married a registered sex offender, Bobert, who thought that she would pull a fast one on a Biden administration official. And (laughs) well, take a listen. A leaked memo from January 2021 uh, to the then chief of staff at the Department of Health and Human Services showed that between 20 and 30% of the department's employees 
did not even log into work on any given day between March and December of 2020. Director Ahuja, we have more than 25% of federal employees not logging, not logging into work, and they're teleworking. Congresswoman, I, I do take issue with the characterization that 25% of individuals are not it, logging it's, it's in. It's in this leaked document right here that we just submitted into you're, the record. You're basing that from 2020, which is in the last administration, and I can't speak to that. So we don't know. We don't have. know anyone who's working full-time, part-time, in-person telework. We have no idea. Well, that's based on the agencies and the supervisors and managers, and they would know that. that do you that, or do you not oversee personnel in the federal government? We oversee personnel policy. Agencies manage their employees. Oh boy, that was a twofer. While Lauren Boba Fett tried to pin lazy federal workers on Biden, it turns out that that sort of mismanagement was under Trumpster Fire's administration. It kind of feels like it's on brand, doesn't it? And she should be calling in 13 times over failed businessman and vacation Floridian Dumpster Fire to answer for that, shouldn't she? And while we're at it, Shouldn't Miss GED 2020 know about how a business organizes payroll since she and her predator husband once owned a restaurant, which is a business? Sure, it closed in July of 2020, allegedly because showing patrons your genitals during their meal isn't a good marketing strategy. But hey, no one ever accused this former teen mom from making good decisions. And for our final entry... We have insurrectionist tour guide and alleged January 6th pipe bomber from Georgia, Monster Truck Garage, deciding that now would be a really good time to reintroduce one of her bad ideas to the House floor. Roll tape. I am reintroducing my bill, the Protect Children's Innocence Act. This bill will stop gender-affirming care on children. My bill will charge any person who knowingly performs gender-affirming care on a minor with a Class C felony. It will prohibit all taxpayer-funded gender-affirming care. It will prohibit institutions or higher education from providing instruction on gender-affirming care. There's nothing affirming about lying to children that they can change their gender because you cannot change your gender. My bill will deem aliens who are determined to have performed gender-affirming care on a minor as ineligible to receive visas or be admitted into the United States. We've had enough with drag queen shows in elementary schools and middle schools and high schools. These groomers and child predators must be stopped because they're sexualizing children for profit in a multi-billion dollar medical industry. Something must be done to protect the sacred identity of children. God made all of us, male and female, in his image he made us. And God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, well, if God doesn't make mistakes, then explain this. On May 27th, 1947, in the contaminated water town of Milledgeville, which sounds like a made-up town from a Adam Sandler's movie, but it really does exist in the poorly educated state of Georgia. The mistake the world would come to know as Marjorie Taylor Greene was born to very disappointed parents who would only see their disappointment grow as this neolithically handsome girl grew into what some critics are calling a God-level mistake. And to be fair, 
I don't expect someone raised in a state that ranks 36 out of 50 when it comes to education to understand the difference between sex and gender. But for the sake of protecting the children, let's have a little history lesson and an anatomy and physiology refresher. The Jesus freak from Georgia would have us believe that there are just two genders, which is simply not true. There are two sexes, male and female, but gender is a construct of society and the times we live in. Take the Bronze Age. Around 2,000 years ago, men, just like Jesus, wore dresses with strappy sandals and their shaggy beards. But let's not forget Mustard Tan Garbage Bin also discussed how testosterone affects the body and how her sky father doesn't make mistakes. And to her point, I would like to point out a little fun fact about the human body and pregnancy and inception. Roll tape. Dear gentlemen, science has a confession. Your life actually began as a female. At the moment of conception, you were, of course, male or female based on your genes, but the Y chromosome doesn't kick in right away. In fact, the first five to six weeks of embryonic development are attributed to the X chromosome alone, and females grow from embryo to fully developed through the influence of only the X chromosome. So what does the Y chromosome do? Once activated, one of the genes on the Y chromosome, known as the SRY gene, has two functions, to inhibit certain features of the X chromosome and to impose through dominance the physiological traits that a male must have. If the Y chromosome does not become activated for some reason, then the female phenotype or physical appearance will persist in a male. That's right, folks. Every fetus starts as female. That's why men have nipples and can also develop breast cancer. It's also why trans people exist. See, because human pregnancy isn't an exact science with an assembly line and measurements and ingredients all perfectly calculated. Not every person is born as a reflection of their gender identity. This is why some girly girls have to wax their upper lip and not all heterosexual men are aggronated football fanatics. But let me take this a step farther and enlighten you on how people who don't identify as their physical sex have left an extensive historical footprint that is rarely discussed. It all starts in Mesopotamia, 2000 BC. This civilization was the earliest records of humanity. There are references to types of people who yeah. are neither male or female. And the records describe how God created these people, their roles in society, and words for different kinds of them. Let's skip over to ancient Egypt, who also described three genders, male, female, and seket, to southern Asia. This was around 400 BC. The Hijra can consider themselves to be neither male or female, and they still exist, the Hijra people. Although oppressed, they are seven century BC, the Scythians, who were Eurasian nomadic horse riders, they honored gender non-conforming people as priests and warriors. They apparently also invented the earliest known hormone therapy using licorice root. Pre-colonial Native American who historically recognized various kinds of genders that all fall under the umbrella of two-spirit, which just encompasses the different kinds of genders that they had in the communities that don't fit in the Western gender binary. Now, post-Christ, first century, the year 100, mm -hmm. there are records stating that classical Judaism actually recognized six genders. 
after listening to that, it is clear to me that it is white Christians who have a problem with a group of people who have always existed and have been not only accepted but venerated by many ancient and modern day cultures. Though, for the life of me, I can't understand why Christians don't see how their bigotry toward the alphabet mafia is straight up hypocrisy when they believe an entire sex was created from a rib and their own mascot is a guy with a beard in a dress. And another thing, it's a trend in the Christian Reich to pin pedophilia on the alphabet mafia, but we all know it's evangelical pastors who are the real groomers. A Round Rock pastor is facing criminal charges. David Lloyd Walter is accused of searching, downloading, distributing, and possessing child pornography. A former Milton pastor in jail, 62-year-old William Dalton Milam, charged with promoting sexual performance of a child and 25 counts of possession of child pornography. Compton, the former pastor of Faith Independent Missionary Baptist Church, has been sentenced to four life sentences plus 240 years after pleading guilty to sex crimes against children. Former youth pastor pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church pled guilty to 13 sex-related crimes involving children. In and I could go on and on with examples of Christian pastors, Catholic pastors, mostly white men who are the real threat to our children. But I'd rather leave you with a bit of military nostalgia. In 1943, the musical comedy called This is the Army was based on the very true story of how the U.S. Army paid for drag shows to be performed by active soldiers who were fighting in World War II, but took a break to wear a dress and some heels so they could dance on stage and raise money for the war effort. And you know who starred in the 1943 film adaptation, which featured actual soldiers in drag, dancing and singing in front of a ticket purchasing audience of men, women and children with all proceeds going to help fight Nazis and defeat Hitler? Do you know who starred in the 1943 film based on this absolutely true story? Well, I'll tell you. It was Ronald Reagan, the same actor who later used the Southern strategy to get elected into the presidency in 1980 and ignored and did nothing about the ever-climbing number of dead gay men thanks to the AIDS crisis. This is the same man, Ronald Reagan, the Republican Party holds up as a saint in their mythos. The same man who starred in 1943 in a film based on how the U.S. Army used drag shows to raise money to stop Hitler. I'm telling you, with Republicans... <laughs> The jokes just write themselves. And now for something completely different. The Dominion defamation lawsuit against Fox for knowingly spreading the lie that the 2020 election was stolen from Scooby-Coo has shed light on quite a bit of what's been going on behind the scenes at Fox. And I have to say, it sounds like this network is a Republican propaganda organization that 
traffics in conspiracy theories and sympathy for Putin's all for the ratings. Case in point, there's Swanson's trust fund baby and Russia's favorite late night host, Tucker Carlson. Now, before I get into this, I want to give you a contextual fact that I think you should keep in mind while listening to this story. Because in 2020, Schmucker Lyerson was sued for slander and won based on the fact that the judge, his attorneys, and the plaintiff's lawyers unanimously agreed that fucker is not only, quote, not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary, end quote. And for those of you in the back, that means that Tater Colostomy Bag's recent release of ludicrously edited footage of the Capitol riot is nothing more than a mockumentary devoid of factual information. It was carefully curated by Gobelites working in the Fox editing room designed to push the exaggerated and non-literal narrative that January 6th was no different than any other normal tourist visit. The video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. They were sightseers. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. That must be why they smeared shit on the walls. Maybe as a way to feel like they're contributing to democracy. And they used poles with American flags still attached in an attempt to boop freedom into the heads of Capitol Police officers. They smashed in windows because they wanted to modernize the decor of the Capitol building, just like they saw in reruns of Celebrity Home Makeover. They ransacked several congressional offices in a way to just help elected officials reorganize their office space. You see how easy it is to intentionally misrepresent an insurrection that the majority of Americans watch live and with their own eyes and now can go back and rewatch in its unedited entirety online any time they want? Trucker Cucktard would have you believe that the crowd was shouting hang Mike Pence because they were rearranging vice presidential portraits on the walls and the crowds were calling for Nancy Pelosi because they were hoping their field trip would include a group selfie with the speaker. But remember, his own lawyers argued in court that given his reputation for blavating the truth just to rile up his audience, Moscow's favorite charlatan should not be taken seriously and neither should his January 6th mockumentary. Let me give you another example. Here is Trust Fund Charlatan's cartoonish take on why everybody hates the tangerine ball bag. Reporters hate Trump with an all-consuming mania. They hate him so intensely that at times it's been amusing to watch. It has destroyed their judgment and in some cases affected their character. Progressives despise Donald Trump so much they've begun to dislike the country that elected him. What infuriates official Washington is not when Trump lies, it's when he tells the truth. 
Certain types of people with certain types of jobs hate Donald Trump so much, obsess over him, think about him when they wake up in the morning, would hurt him if they could. Why the fixation? The reason the ruling class despises Donald Trump is because they can't control him. And you may ask yourself, why was the most untrustworthy host on primetime cable television going on and on about everyone hating the former guy? The answer is, testicle cancer was just projecting his own hatred for Fox's favorite ratings cow onto anyone but himself. Thanks to the $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox, we now know what Tucker Carlson really thinks about Donald Trump and about Donald Trump's presidency. According to court documents, host Tucker Carlson texted a producer on January 4th, 2021. We are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. Referring to Trump, Carlson says, I hate him passionately. I can't handle much more of this. Carlson added, we're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is too tough to digest, but come on. There really isn't an upside to Trump. Okay, I'm not going to say that I don't agree with the guy, but I never thought when White Pride Mouth Breather said everyone hates Air Force One, he was really talking about how much he hates the Big Lebowski and only pushed the big lie to make sure that stock prices rise. Hmm. Here is the White Pride Piper introducing his magnum fake news take on January 6th. On January 6th, two years ago, thousands of protesters walked from a Trump rally on the ellipse outside the White House to the U.S. Capitol, where the certification of the presidential election was underway. The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. They were right. In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. Ah, spoken like a Nepo baby who doesn't give a fuck that the network he works for is currently being sued for defamation by Dominion Voting Systems because he just said the big lie that got his bosses sued in the first place and he don't give a fuck. And you might be asking yourself, why would Liar Tuck so blatantly air commentary that could be and very well might be used against the company in a court of law, well, <laughs> if you are asking that question, the answer is going to disturb you. So Carson was looking to pursue a new venture. His big project at the moment that he was launching was a new website called The Daily Caller. It was going to be his conservative answer to The New York Times, the kind of project he had tried to soft launch at CPAC a year prior. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. As Alex Shepard writes the New Republic, quote, when he launched the Daily Caller in 2010, Carlson vowed it would primarily be a news site with a straightforward approach to the news. Find out what's happening and tell you about it. We plan to be accurate, both in the facts we assert and the conclusions we imply. There wasn't an audience. Within a few months, it was publishing fake news and outrage-driven commentary. The transformation of the Daily Caller is the Rosetta Stone moment of Carlson's career, a period during which he learned his lesson. He never sought respectability again. And that, my friends, is the story of how fake laugh toadstool threw away his bow ties and credibility to become the feckless villain with a deranged cackle that we see on Fox today. And while we're discussing why the Republican Party is one of the worst ideas humanity has ever had, CPAC or the crazy political assholes for Christ, 
held their Fire and Brimstone event this past weekend, and unlike years previous, the crowds decided not to attend, along with several well-known names in the Christian Reich circles. Those that did show up were maggots, which explains why the marginally sentient spray tan got 62% of the straw poll vote taken at the embarrassment. But two-thirds of the seats stayed empty during every speech, and that didn't stop the worst Republican Party has had to offer in 50 years from speaking their stupid loud and proud. Like the most poorly educated host of the worst field trip to the Capitol building, and the former president who crashed weddings for media attention, Donald Jabberwocky Trailer Trash, who rambled on and on for two hours about anything that floated into his dementia-riddled a-brain. Here's Old Yeller losing control of his dentures over the words United States, offering bribes for babies, and answering questions no one is asking about his border wall. Roll tape. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. The racist Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, who is presiding over one of the most dangerous and violent cities in the United States, now challenge the governors of all 50 states. We will support baby boomers, and we will support baby bonuses for a new baby boom. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good. I want a baby boom. Oh, you men are so lucky out there. You're so lucky. You are so lucky, men. As you know, I built hundreds of miles of wall, and Biden, they took it away. They actually took it away, and they hid it. They put it in a hiding area. <laughs> I know Marlardo is way past his Walmart greeter years, but he can't be serious about Biden hiding a border wall. Remembering is hard for people who were born before color television was invented, but being a child of the 80s, I can assure the former toddler-in-chief, I clearly recall his failure to get Mexico to pay for the wall and the millions in taxpayer money that went to his contractors who never built the wall. It's not missing. It never existed. Oh, and I just want to point out that offering money for sex may be the way that Toadstool Dick gets women to sleep with him, but I don't think the rest of the country needs to be subjected to his diminishing bedroom returns. That's between Drinks with Old Two Hands and Cialis. But it wasn't just ad-libs and jumbled words for DJ Total Disaster at CPAC. This music man dropped a new single to a mostly empty room because Donnie's not just a failed business owner many times over, he's also terrible at marketing. The song is called Justice for All, totally not a ripoff of a Metallica song with a similar title, and features a chorus of tone-deaf January 6 rioters who recorded their parts via phone while they were still in jail. Trigger warning for those who have sensitive eardrums. They might rupture. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
are otherwise known as the J6 Prisoner Choir. Just a bunch of homegrown domestic terrorists who identify as political prisoners because... (laughs) Alternative facts. But shit-smearing maggots weren't the only crazies featured at CPAC. There was a whole lot of grifting going on, which made the whole event kind of sound like a 3 a.m. infomercial for a fake billionaire's fund. If you want to know the facts on what's going on, on this issue and everything else, I want to encourage everyone here, take out your cell phone and text the word verdict to 24005. What you will get is a link to subscribe to this podcast. Instead of supporting woke companies who hate you and use your money to further their political agenda. So go to Kim's Metals, it's kind of catchy, dot com to learn more. That's Kim's Metals.com. So if you're going to have a phone, you can give your money to AT&T and watch it get weaponized against everything that you believe, or you can go to Patriot Mobile. Like, it's that simple. Hey, I don't know about you, but nothing says 3 a.m. potty time to me like an episode of a Ted Cruz podcast. And why not listen to the middle-aged dump while wearing gold-plated HSN knockoffs from the former Fox host and now poster child for plastic surgery addiction, Kimberly Guilfoyle. And best of all, you can do it all on a cell phone network run by Christian conservatives who hired the only Nepo baby who is single-handedly responsible for all of the Colombian cocaine shortage that is happening on the East Coast to be their spokesperson, Mr. Don Jr. It's called Patriot Mobile, and Don Jr. asked the CPAC audience of about maybe 25 to 30 people to stop giving their cell phone money to woke companies like Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, who will only use that cash to fund afterbirth abortions and drag queen story time and factually inaccurate American history courses that teach students the real history of America. There's just one problem with that. The Christian conservative carrier doesn't have its own national infrastructure. So it just rents excess capacity from woke cell phone companies like T-Mobile and AT&T. So its customers are basically owning the libs by paying Patriot Mobile, which then just pays the woke cell phone companies that Patriot Mobile claims they are the alternative to. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a fatal flaw. One half of my brain can't believe anyone could be that stupid. But then the other half reminds me that 74.2 million Americans voted for Old Wack Donald back in 2020. And that is a third of the U.S. voting population, which is a whole lot of stupid which is why there comes a time in every person's life when they have to take one for the team, do something they don't want to do for the greater good. And that time, my friends, is now. Because it's time that we have a real heart-to-heart talk about who Marlardo is now calling a meatball and the most fascism ever packed into five feet and nine inches, Florida's Governor Ron DeShitstein. Unironically, this self-proclaimed poster child for book banning recently became an author himself, 
thanks to HarperCollins, the only publishing company apparently not phased when most of their own books have been removed from public libraries in schools because of the courage to be free, which also happens to be the name of Ronald the Cosplaying Donald's 320-page manifesto detailing how one man can make America Florida. So here are some of the highlights, and by highlights, I mean fascism fuel. I actually wrote it. I think it comes across as more authentic as it is me writing this. DeSantis writes with a subtle literary touch about his beloved state, saying, in a world that has increasingly gone mad, Florida is a beachhead of sanity. Florida is a citadel of freedom in a world gone mad. And Florida is a redoubt of sanity where woke ideology goes to die. Ron DeSantis's main goal, make America Florida. So now you understand why we have to have a talk about this little turd from a state so flaccid, it's literally shaped like a limp dick. It was bad enough when the tanning bed Rapunzel came down from his tower to proclaim that we have to make America great again for some reason. Now we've got the littlest Fuhrer calling for America to resemble every single thing Jeff Foxworthy warned us might be redneck. And if that's where we're going, then fine. I want to know what would America look like if it were Florida. So first off, it looks like we're going to have to get rid of all of the books because reading is for libtards. A Florida school district has pulled 176 books from its libraries to comply with a new state education reform law championed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Jacksonville teacher Andrea Phillips, as the state celebrated Literacy Week in schools, Phillips says she was told to pack up her classroom library. Until all books could be vetted and we could be sure that we were in compliance with the state laws. The law now requires classroom libraries be approved by a trained media specialist. Essentially had three choices uh, as far as our personal libraries that are in our classrooms. Uh, we could remove them completely. Uh, we could cover them up or they could be entered into a database where the school district has all of the library books. And if the book was in the, the system, then it could remain on the shelf. You see, in the dumb fucks for America, Books can't just be allowed to sit all willy-nilly on shelves, enticing anyone to come along and take them for the purposes of reading and comprehending. Have you ever read Fahrenheit 451? No? Well, of course not, because that is one of the banned books for being woke. It has the audacity to teach people the value of reading through a character arc of a protagonist who starts off with an itchy book-burning trigger finger, but then learns firsthand that fascism has a no-one-left-behind policy when he is dispatched to burn books at his own home. Sounds like Florida to me. And speaking of woke, Governor D'Average is totally against woke. How against woke is he? Governor Ron DeSantis announced new legislation he's calling the Stop Woke Act or Wrongs Against Our Kids and Employees Act. The bill creates a law to back up the state's Board of Education's ban on teaching critical race theory in Florida schools. The act would give parents the chance to sue if they think their kids are being taught critical race theory. Wow, that is one of the whitest things anyone has done in America since 1861. 
Dwight, she'd signed a law giving all the Karens and Kevins in Florida the chance to make some money by suing schools, teachers, companies, and co-workers. In fact, anyone that they think might be held responsible for the crime of discussing actual American history or how racist Florida's governor actually is. The reason for all of this is a growing number of boomers that realize they were captured on film, whether on camera, in a photograph, or on television, doing heinous and plantation master level shit during the whole desegregation of schools that happened in the 1950s. And those boomers' grandchildren are at a ripe age where they're just like a sponge soaking up all that learning they're doing in school. So it just makes sense that any instruction that shows pictures of Mima and Peepa standing behind Alabama Governor George Wallace when he threw a white privilege-fueled tantrum when federal marshals had to escort Vivian Malone and James Hood into a newly desegregated school must be woke because it makes little Billy and Susie feel bad about being related to Mima and Peepa because they're bigoted pieces of shit. And the best part of the one-man Florida war on woke is that he revealed his ass when he went to court. And in court, DeSantis' lawyers were pressed to define what woke means to them. One DeSantis attorney said it was a slang term for activism. Another DeSantis lawyer responded that woke is the belief there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. And that's why it takes a special kind of asshole to be against systemic injustices in American society. Apparently, the racist isn't afraid to let his KKK show. Does anyone happen to see a theme emerging between banning real American history because it dispels Caucasian white savior narratives and removing books from school so children couldn't possibly stumble upon learning the truth about the generals and the soldiers that all of their local streets are named after, sounds to me like Go-Go Boots DeSantis is making Florida a safe space for white supremacy. And one Republican legislator in Florida State House wants to give DeShitstein his first opportunity to flesh out what that might look like. A Florida lawmaker wants to get rid of Florida's Democratic Party. To me, it would be absolutely hypocritical not to cancel the Democrat Party themselves. That's essentially what bill filed by State Senator Blazing Golia would do. Called the Ultimate Cancel Act would decertify any political party that previously advocated for slavery. Would force all of the state's 4.8 million Democrats to change their voter registration. The bill would force election supervisors to inform Democratic voters that they would now be considered no party of affiliates in Florida. And that's because Florida is a closed state, which means you can vote as long as you vote for your registered party. But how on earth could Democrats do that when Republicans dissolve their party and then their party affiliation is invalid because, you guessed it, Republicans dissolved their party. Now, as of this broadcast, the wholesale disenfranchisement of millions of voters in Florida has not taken place. But even if the bill fails in the state house, the Republicans put it out there, and when Republicans show their fascism, believe them. 
So let's recap what America would look like if it were Florida. In this de-shit-stained hellscape, we would all be bored staring off into space with lots of time on our hands because there would be nothing to read. Schools would only teach alternative facts approved by the Daughters of the Confederacy like slaves chose to stay after the Emancipation Proclamation because they love working for free on plantations. And the Second Amendment was certainly not a deal between Southern colonies and the Founding Fathers so they could use deadly force when reclaiming runaway slaves, which, by the way, we now call those guys police officers. But I digress. Broke-ass white soccer moms and their Toby Keith Levin husbands would be filing lawsuits as a form of income because the idea of the next generation favoring equality over colonization is worth at least $10,000 a pop. And the only choice you can make during an election is for the member of the Republican Party that is vying for that seat because harboring politicians who switched their party affiliation after the Voting Rights and Civil Rights Act of 1964 and 5 were signed into law because you couldn't be a member of a party that gave rights to the descendants of freed slaves isn't the same as advocating for slavery. And if you believe that, Schmucker Larson has a documentary you'd probably like. You might even get to see yourself on national television carrying the Confederate flag into the Capitol building on January 6th. How exciting. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday, and please follow us on social media to keep up with our latest posts. This Week Again can be found on iHeartRadio, Audible, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts, and thank you for doing so. Tadur for now.